0: The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of The Process. Get at him at processrealtor.com. The Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of The Process. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. And Kinetic Skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, uh, we've teased this on the last episode, but we'll talk about it today. What would have happened if the Sixers never made the trade to go up and get Markel Fultz? Derek Bodner wrote about it in The Athletic. We will talk about it. We are down to the Elite Eight in the Field of 64 jigsaw bracket. <laughs> we have a new commercial from Valone's Deli, which uh, everyone has been waiting for. It's been a long time since we've heard from uh, Doris or Joe Valone, so we'll hear from that. Um, Sixers' Adam talked it, wrote about the good moves and the bad moves from Elton Brand and uh, Brian Colangelo or no, he just wrote about the good ones so far. And, uh, the NBA or the basketball hall of fame was announced. We'll talk about the few NBA players who made it. And we have the 50% mailbag, which is 50% basketball. Some good questions. Um, before we get started, this was delayed and I didn't get to it in time. Uh, they emailed the right Ricky Sanchez account and, uh, it was right before our last pod. We want to wish a very happy 33rd birthday to Moses park. Moses and his wife, Jane, listened to the podcast together, and uh, his wife sent a note and asked if we could uh, bring their spirits up. He obviously has to spend his birthday locked away in his home, but at least he's doing it with a wife that will listen to this podcast, so um, yeah, happy, happy birthday, Moses. Happy
1: birthday, Moses. What does it even look like listening to listening to this like consistently with, with your partner?
0: I have no idea. My, I, I don't think my wife has ever listened to the podcast, like
1: my, one time. My parents, would I, I don't know if they do this anymore, but they used to go on walks and listen to it together, which is cute.
0: <laughs> it is. Well, it was their way of, they got to hear from you three hours every week. That's right. You know? Yeah. Um, so happy birthday, Moses. Uh, without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry, sweetie! Welcome to the Rice of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who maybe does or maybe doesn't know what day of the week it is, Mike Levin. Who's to say? Do you, yeah. Do you find the days of the week are, are, are harder to discern nowadays?
1: Yes. I, I'm still working, but right. within those days, it really could be anything.
0: I, you know, I, I didn't tell you about this, so if you don't have anything ready, we can delay it to later in the pod. But I thought a good way to start off the pods nowadays, because people are, are looking for so many things to, uh, to consume, was to maybe, if you had something off the top of your head, and if not, we can push it back, um, start the pod with a quick Jorge Gutierrez recommendation corner. Mm. Uh, do you have a show or a movie or an album that you've consumed Recently, that you'd like to tip the folks off to, or would you like to maybe think about it and get it to it later?
1: No, yeah, I think I talked about this before. The the farewell is on Amazon Prime, which is an excellent film. Um, that that Aquafina is the lead. Oh, right. yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, it's about a sort of sad subject matter, but the film isn't itself sad. Uh, Alyssa has kind of issued a blanket ban over like two sad things in these times, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this this qualified uh, on the safe side there. Um, what else? I'm watching Devs on FX, and I think yeah. that's that's very good. What's I'm also it? watching Dave on FX, which is very different, but but also mm-hmm. very good. And and uh, friend of the pod Taylor Mirjak is is the female lead. Um, and we're 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 finding I'm finding like comfort comfort watches is good. So like old old college games, old NBA games, some highlights. uh, I where we we're making our way through thirty rock again that's just a nice we like have we like having like an older not older but like not like old but uh completed comedy series to just like watch when we like have meals and stuff just to put on and and f- feel safe to and I'm also watching uh there's a I'm a big planet earth guy i have i didn't you know apparently people like watch it all through high school or whatever it was, and I just like never. I was never into. I for whatever reason missed it, and so over the last couple of years, I've just tried to consume as much like nature documentaries as possible because I think they're awesome. Um, and there's a new, I, th- I think a new one on Netflix that I that I saw called um, Earth at Night, mm-hmm. um, which is dope. It's nominated by Samir Wiley, and it's like they you know they hype hi- they hype up the. Uh, the infrared cameras and how they can like footage unseen before that kind of stuff a lot, but I think it's awesome. Uh, it's only like six episodes, so how about you?
0: Uh, well, speaking of documentaries, I hadn't planned on mentioning this, but my uh, I have a, a friend of mine um, named Tommy Avallone is a documentary filmmaker, and I was lucky enough to get to work on his first documentary, which was about uh, real bearded Santa Claus. Clauses and what they do the rest of the year. Um, it's called I Am Santa Claus. Mick Foley's in it. It's great. But he made a movie called uh, Waldo on Weed, which is a documentary about uh, one of the owners of Pizza Brain here in Philadelphia. And they had a, kid, uh, uh, like a, a son, him and his wife had a son named Waldo. And Waldo was diagnosed with um, uh, cancer, like when he was an infant. And uh his his dad and his friends this was before um before you know uh, medicinal marijuana was legalized had heard about um CBD easing the effects of chemo on children so they i don't want to give away the whole story but they went to california and like where it was legal and figured out a way to get it back and it's they documented the entire thing like they recorded everything so most of the footage um is Is actually it happening so the ups and downs of the cancer treatment and all that and uh, I was really proud of Tommy he I worked with him at, at YSP and WIP for a long time and here he is with this I saw it at the Tribeca Film Festival and it was executive produced by Whoopi Goldberg who was there doing like the talk afterwards and we're talking about this like Tommy who was like always like the fuck-up video guy at WISP and WIP whose job I had to save a hundred times, getting his documentary produced by Whoopi Goldberg. So I hadn't mentioned, it's on uh, iTunes. Uh, I think it's 10 bucks or seven bucks, Mm. although on weed. But I've had a hard time watching things. Uh, My attention span has been destroyed by this whole thing. So the time, what I've been consuming more of is music because I listen to it when I'm running. And, uh, Brian Fallon, who is the lead singer of Gaslight Anthem, you might know, has an album, I don't know, it came out this year, called Local Honey, which is really, really good. I always loved Gaslight Anthem, but the solo Brian Fallon stuff, especially this album, is a little mopier and slower, which is right down my alley, and, uh, I think it's really good. The album's called Local Honey, and I actually, it's one of those albums I like every single song on, so if you, uh... If you like that sort of thing, uh, I would recommend Brian Fallon's "Local Honey," good record. Hmm. So,
1: I've been listening to the uh, the Tony T EP.
0: Yes, and having <laughs> it had great. it stuck Isn't in my it? head nonstop. I have to get I have to Jaron Alefsky, the uh, the Amos Lee music director, was working on the final piece of it, and I have to go back and see where he is on that. He works slowly. But he's a fucking master. So what master doesn't work slowly? So uh, from from things we enjoy to things that we don't, um, we you know we talked to Derek on the Zoomathon, Derek Bodner, about it's about producing content for something like the Athletic. If you're a Sixers writer nowadays, it's a little easier for us because we can talk about TV shows and and music and and goof off. And Derek can't really. So, So he wrote well. No one's saying he can't. He Notor-
1: Notorious goof, Derek Bader.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Always so silly. Always off the straight and no. narrow. He wrote an article that was, it was less of a thought experiment. And I might want to task Sixers Adam with, you know, projecting different. Sixers Adam, AU's already doing the season as it's going on, which we have to get him on to talk about. Um, but I'd love to test Sixers Adam with writing these these sort of like sliding doors versions of what would happen. Derek wrote an article. What if they had never if they had never traded up for Markel Faults, um, which was mostly interesting in getting me thinking about what I think would have happened. Um, so I, I want to start from the same place because I assume you're there with me. I am of the belief and of the understanding. And just logic tells me that if the Sixers had not made that trade, it's not like Jason Tatum just goes to three. The Celtics, if they had to, would have picked Tatum at three, uh, Tatum at one, I believe. Like they showed their hand in that they did not want Markel Fultz, I believe. Um, So are we throwing out the they draft Tatum at three? scenario? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's fair. If you really look at a draft, and if, if you really like the number one guy, you just take him. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't treat him. So For sure. So then it, so there's a couple of things that happen. So you assume that Tatum goes at one. Then the next thing is you start to figure out what the Lakers do it to. Now, Derek says, and I, I know that certain Sixers front office people also pushed this out at the time, that... Um, that the Lakers were really, really interested in faults, that he had the best workout for them. Um I had heard that they, I don't know if I know if I believe this, uh, reached out to the Sixers to see if they could trade for one. So Derek starts to operate sort of under the understanding, or mostly under the understanding, that they would take faults at two. I don't necessarily believe that, but what yeah. do you think?
1: Uh I I think it's all after this you know after something happens and and the the narrative on a, on a guy comes out then people will leak things about other people that defend the choice that they made i don't know specifically it felt kind of like weirdly predestined and on the road to rigged that lonzo would go to la um having been from la went to ucla and his and his dad being who he is it kind of just felt like it was going to happen and then the lottery shook out and it was like yeah um but uh, I don't know. I, to me, it doesn't matter so much because I I also don't think that um, the Sixers would have taken Lonzo. Um, I think, you don't, I, think do you don't think they would I have. I don't. I don't know. Okay. I mean, this is this is before Ben's Ben's rookie season because uh, mm-hmm. he hurt. He was hurt the whole year. Um, but I think that they were. Everyone was in a position to say like. Ben is who he is, um, and lo- with Lonzo's jump shot and like need to control the ball, like handle the ball all the time. I just think it would have been a weird spot to go in. I, I don't think it would have been a bad pick. Um, I think it's. I've always thought Lonzo at two was was pretty pretty steep for the the guy is. Um, if you're looking for like all star level, I think he's just like a really a really good solid. Player that would be helpful to have on a team, but not not the kind of guy that's just gonna carry you ever. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd, it just didn't seem like with with the lack with the shooting questions and the constant ball handling or who's gonna like control the ball questions. The good thing about Fultz, as Derek made me remember in in the article he wrote, the fucking piece of shit, um, <laughs> was that like he was the shot was growing and getting better off the catch and he could pull up off the dribble and his three-level score and and to the extent that like he can get to the rim and and make things happen he would still cede some ball handling like responsibilities to Ben in a way that coming out of school it didn't seem like Lonzo would have now I don't know that that's correct but I think that that was kind of what the narrative was just based on who projected to be the better shooter which at the time was false
0: I'd like to give credit to, to uh, the rights to Ricky Sanchez is Amos Lee, who, by the way, committed to coming on the pod in the next couple of weeks. So we haven't heard anything from Amos, but we will have him on the pod in the next couple of weeks. He never liked Fultz, and now he doesn't watch college basketball. He's like me. He's just like a YouTube guy. But he kept watching the YouTube and being like, meh, I don't know. And he kept saying, trade back, trade back, trade back, trade back. That's all he wanted, and he loved Jonathan Isaac. Who's obviously too tall and has not quite worked out yet, but looks like he's going to uh, be a, a, a pretty good NBA player. He's very good. He's something. been hurt more yeah. than
1: has like yeah. failed. He's uh, yeah. the the defensive the idea of a defensive threesome of Ben, Isaac, and Joel is crazy.
0: Yeah, but it, but it was also a weird fit at the time mm-hmm. too, given his size. Um, so the trade back thing probably would have been, because you you don't get the sense that they would have picked, so there are a lot of guys behind, obviously, that, that ended up being good players. Yep. Um, Darren Fox, uh, I remember, so
1: Sharp wrote an article, and Sharp spent time with both Fox and Fultz, um and came out of it liking both guys but really loving fox and i was not that high on fox i just didn't think he'd ever shoot and he pretty quickly proved that wrong just from like the foul shooting improved and then over the a year or two his his three-point shot has significantly improved um i don't think the sixers take fox the book on him was that he that he was just i think he shot like a ridiculously poor percentage from from deep at kentucky um I, I, Josh Jackson was another option there. Um, had the reputation coming out of college as like a could get you a bucket, uh, super athletic out in transition, uh, going to work defensively, all that stuff.
0: And and by the way, just to interrupt, I, I think, you know, after the Sixers got the third pick, and I remember I did that pod with Godner and Amos, and uh, we all did it. It was a lottery party that you were not at. I think Josh Jackson was sort of like the presumptive pick at three for a little while for the Sixers.
1: Yeah. So I mean, we can go through a couple. I think Malik Monk was an, was a possibility there just as a if you just wanted a pure shooter um, to get hot. I think, you know, you and I both like Dennis Smith Jr. Especially if mm-hmm. the, if you know, his weakest point was like, you know, floor general traditional mm-hmm. point guard stuff. And so if you have been, then you wouldn't have been as responsible for that. Um, I was wrong about Larry Markkinen, although he hasn't been excellent in in, in years in the subsequent years. But uh, I didn't want him at that point. Um, he's
0: got it. Like I, I would blame the Bulls if he doesn't come yeah, out to be I, anything. I you think he's at least. Watch him I think he's at
1: least like going to be pretty good. Um, and I don't think Nilla Keenan was a possibility there. I loved Donovan Mitchell, as you remember. Uh, but even, uh, you know, without a trade back happening. I don't think there was any real real world where the Sixers take down a Mitchell at three. Um No. So yeah, I, I to I, me it to me it looks like if you if you say it is Tatum, Fultz, and then Sixers pick, uh would they have traded down possibly? This is this is Galangelo, so I don't know how much uh wheeling he would and dealing. never
0: had the balls to trade down. There's just no way. I don't believe he would have.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that they were in a position where you know, this was his this is Colangelo's first real draft. He took Simmons when he hit, fell into his lap. And so I think this was a position where they were like, Look, we got we have enough assets, like we don't need any more. Let's just go take the best guy. Um, which is not the you know, right way to attack things. I think the Sixers would have taken Josh Jackson. I don't think it would have been I, I like kept going back and forth on, on Josh. There were times when I thought like, he would just get there because he's so crazy athletic and that he seemed like a really hard worker, uh, which turned out to not be the case so far. Um, and, uh, and I think that they would have just like penciled him in as the, 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 the wing type next to Covington with a little more offensive capabilities and a little more athleticism and, and hoped that the shot would come along. Um, that clearly wasn't the case. Uh, I know that they did like Darren Fox in his workout with them, but I just I think that they, the pressure of them drafting another a, another point guard who theoretically at the time couldn't shoot would just have been right. too much for them to actually pull the trigger there. So I, I I think Josh Jackson would have been the pick, and that clearly would have also been the wrong pick.
0: It's it's interesting too because there is the possibility, and I wonder about this one: the possibility that they just get Markel Fultz at three. Yeah. And and that's like, that's the toughest one to figure, right? Because if if you had to bet, I would bet on things working out in a similar way that they did. But there is the possibility that if they don't trade up for him and the pressure of everything is different, like the situation is different, you know, in the, the butterfly, effect, uh, butterfly effect world where you know, trading up for him and him being the, the final piece and the missing piece as opposed to, oh, my God, he was there and we didn't expect him to be. Right. Um, and comes in in a different way. I don't know. I, like, uh, and, and there's the whole thing, you know, the biggest part of this is what they traded for him, what they traded to move up, they still have and can still use as trade. And then they, like, the, the asset domino effect that happens. But um, them getting him at three is, is also a realistic possibility, I think. The Right Ricky Sanchez podcast proudly, proudly, proudly brought to you by the official realtor of the process, that is Adam Kasebe. Spelled, I don't know where the A comes in, K-S-E-B-E. How would you pronounce that if you didn't know? I would say Kasebe, wouldn't you?
1: I'd pronounce that great deals.
0: <laughs> totally great deals. So Adam... Uh, is a, a great realtor who mostly deals with the Delaware beaches. Now, if uh, you might have seen uh, interest rates go way down, which means if you're in a financial place where you can do it, it is a good time to look to buy. But also, uh, especially the Delaware beaches, where Adam is a, a specialist in the Delaware beaches, Lewis, Rehoboth, um, Dewey, uh, Bethany, any of those... Uh, I heard from a rights ricky Sanchez listener last week. Um, I'll just say his first name, Seth, who was who was looking into it with Adam. Um, or, you know, Adam offered, much as uh, Adam Kornblow did, to even if he's not helping you find a Delaware Beach House, any sort of, um, uh, like, realtor-type advice, he's there for. So if you have an interest rate on your house, if you have a mortgage that is, let's say, above... Um, it's a good time to refinance, and he can help you with that. He can help you with any of those things. He can look up a house on Zillow and look at the pictures and tell you if they're legit or not. Mm. This guy's gonna do anything for you. and and like I would imagine, I'm sorry for laughing, but I would imagine the Delaware beaches are going to be way less crowded this summer. So uh, if you want to get away, you know, one thing I've noticed as somebody who still um, goes into a work every day around a city is if you want to be away from everything, if you want to be separated, if you want some sort of like to feel like you're you're away from the, uh, the crowds and the hustle and bustle, uh, shore towns are good ones. And Lewis, which I love, I imagine would be an awesome place to be. Um, like I said, if, it's a, if, if you can do it financially, it's going to be a good time to buy for the next couple of months. Reach out to Adam and he can tell you how to do it or he can help you figure out how to refinance the house that you have. Call or text him 302-864-8643 or email adam at processrealtor.com. Again, you can call or text Adam at 302-864-8643, which I imagine is sell just like the other Adam. So if you just want to check on him, you could do that as well. Um, or email adam at processrealtor.com. Uh, adam Kasabi, Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. Back to the Ricky. Yeah, I,
1: I I never, you know, you can go back and listen to the podcast where I was very excited about this. Like I, I never have an issue with putting your chips in and go getting the guy that you think is the final piece. And as Derek went through in the article because he's an asshole uh it the skill set was a was a perfect match which is exactly what you'd want for that kind of thing it would this was before ben had to be like labeled as a point guard or whatever it is so if you get faults and he and he plays and he, and he works right away then you can have two initiators uh ben as the sort of like freewheeling draymond green type with significant more transition abilities and honestly at this point nobody knew then but at this point more versatility on defense um and and fultz can get to the rim he can get to the middle uh pick and roll with Embiid, pick and roll with simmons you know fultz running around screens and hitting catch and shoots like all all of it just like really really worked um and I'm just, it's, I was trying to remember, uh, like, my my mindset when it happened of just being like, this is it. Like, because they had lost, they had, that was the season that, Embi- that was after Embiid's first season. So, they hadn't gone to the playoffs yet, this was, there was nothing. Right? I'm not mixing, I'm not getting my ears wrong. No, yeah, yeah. And so, it was only positivity, it wasn't any disappointment, it was just, holy shit, Embiid's, as good as we thought he was, maybe better. Simmons is going to be healthy because they held him out for the whole season just to be safe, which is great. And here we got we traded for the first pick. We cashed in on an asset, still have more in the future, but the pick the pick swapped. We got this guy like everything was was lining up for it. And and the most uh the, dir- the direct comparison for faults and how I felt then and how it turned out ended up being Bynum, which is really uh, heartbreaking (laughs) that we've just like, you know, a span of honestly only five years. Another horrible thing of a guy who barely really like never played as himself, at least here Um, and was thought to be at least whether a missing piece or the next generation or whatever it was, just turned out to be like absolutely nothing for us.
0: kind
1: of sucks it does suck it sucks so bad we we we, you know we're past it now but holy shit that was so much of it felt like so much real estate in my life was just being like no he's gonna it can't he's gonna he'll 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 be back and he'll remember how to do it and he just tweaked it and he'll get back and he'll be fine and it just like never was it never was it never
0: never was really the patient zero of of the I mean, I guess you could say that patient zero was Jerry Colangelo or whatever. But as far as like this, this moment, this trade, was the the actual domino that that there were signs before it, obviously in retrospect. But this one was the was the thing. Yeah, I I,
1: I think patient zero would have to be Okafor. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. That I think that's sort of where Hinkie got a little too. Like it was, so he pulled off the what's it called trade, the um, the one with the magic, the Dario trade uh-huh. with uh, Alfred Payton. Mm-hmm. And the Okafer pick was sort of hinky, like swinging his dick, like thinking his dick was too big or whatever, and being like, mm-hmm. okay, I did this once. I'm going to take this other guy who I don't think is actually a guy that we want, but I'm going to trick somebody else into actually trading for him at some point. That's right. And he did it. You know, he did it sort of accidentally with MCW. I don't think that was the plan with NCW, but I think it's what ended, ended up happening. He obviously did it with Alfred Payton, and I think he tried it again here, and, like, you know, the fights and fucking um, gun to the head. and
1: Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I wonder if, you know, we learned some stuff in the, in Jaron's book about uh, Porzingis' agent, Andy Miller, who is very heavily featured, although not... Uh, interviewed ever in the, in the HBO documentary, the scheme about the college basketball coach's bribery scandal, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is very good. And I recommend it. Uh, but you wonder if, if Andy Miller had just been like, has had not meddled as much in who the six who gets to interview Porzingis or whatever. And the Sixers had just taken him and it, and it, turned out to be a, you know, Porzingis and front court. Um, would have been interesting. I you know, the the mm-hmm. idea that look, we're we're obviously process guys to the end. Um, but the idea that hinky took three straight centers none of which could really shoot. Like Embiid obviously is fine, you know, has turned into a fine shooter, but he's not that's not his primary skill. it, it was right. three consecutive like non-shooting centers is you know it's a it's a, it's a ding, it's a ding on the record <laughs> um and I wish even yeah even then if they if he had taken legitimately anybody except for except for Okafor, I would have been thrilled you can that's a podcast that you know if you want to hear my that untimely demise, just me and the as a writer's assistant on the grinder in the office just being like, i can't and then and then like he took tokado and I was like, okay." That's it, I'm fine with that. at least some glimmer of hope for me. Um, but what a what a fucking shit show it's been. There's been so many flashpoints of, of how many like things that have gone wrong like it's been like eighteen horror movies wrapped in one
0: Just keeps going, just keeps going He's going well, the, the only way that could stop it was an actual life horror movie It's <laughs> the only thing It's the only way that could stop it. was it an actual like fucking outbreak in real life It's unbelievable. <laughs> Um, before we uh, we'll get now to uh, I want to talk about the the three NBA players who were inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Let's just make this chat brought to you by our friends at Kinetic Skateboarding, um, who by the way sponsor Andrew Unterberger, uh, who is still covering the season. Amazing. And if yes, and if not, Pick will convey his two second rounders. His last article was about a win uh, in. D.C. over the Wizards, which was our first win in D.C. since 2013 <laughs> and, and uh, a really good month from Al Horford, with that, which has AU asking the question, did we judge Al Horford too early? Um, Kinetic skateboarding, the store isn't open, but online still open. Dude, uh, I would just go to their Instagram or start looking at the, the stuff that they have. These great vans, which raised $200,000 for breast cancer awareness, they had them at Kinetic. These um, Isle Skateboards and Nike SBs, which were only available at certain skateboard shops, which are fucking awesome, only at Kinetic. They have stuff they can't get anywhere else. There's a hoodie sale going on. Um, Everybody loves a good hoodie, especially now. sitting at home, sweatpants and a hoodie. Go to KineticSkateboarding.com and use code DAVESILVER for 9.1% off your first order. So Basketball Hall of Fame announced the NBA players that made it. Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. We've, we've done a lot of, uh, you know, after he passed away, we did a lot of talk about Kobe and what we thought of him as a player. Um, the other two, we, we rarely, if ever, discussed on the pod, Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. Um, let's start with Duncan. I was obviously bored to fucking tears by Tim Duncan, and I uh, think anyone who is a fan of his who wasn't from San Antonio is just faking it. Uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Uh,
1: he's very good it's tough it's tough for me to look at the people in that came up in the like the mid 2000s morass of of the NBA which is not a not a fun brand of no. basketball by any means like a 90s and two thousand, like a just plotting like individual and, and then the Spurs to me was like the fact that the ball moved and they played with pace and they found and they found their spots was fun to watch. I know that you don't agree, but that was. It, I don't know that that was that fun was, to watch once. I don't know that it that was, was primarily watch. Duncan. Um,
0: no, it wasn't. Yeah, but
1: he's uh, clearly, obviously, like an excellent player and has been excellent for a long time and and started the culture there that, or at least along with Robinson and Pop, like that's a, that is a, a feat in and of itself for them to be as good as they have been for for so long. Um, I don't feel any sense of like frustration towards Tim Duncan or like uh, lionization. I think he just like you know did his job for 15 years or whatever and was excellent at it and and sort of just washed away with the sea. And it was like okay, good stuff. Yeah, I I, I don't not that he was boring or anything. He just And he clearly was. But, like, not that part of it, but just that it was. I didn't get. I never had any. Maybe it's because he played in San Antonio and and the Sixers never had any, like, interaction with them. But to me, it was just like he was. He was. You know, Kawhi is a robot in, like, a sense of, like, he's just always going to do the right thing and always just going to make the right play. And I just can't imagine him missing. I didn't feel that with Duncan, but Mm -hmm. um, he's clearly just. Without having. Elite level athleticism to be that good at your craft when he should have been playing center and he was playing like you know as a as a clunky six ten power forward uh, oh, yeah. very bizarre. I, 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 comparing errors is always impossible to do, but it's I, I would love to see what what Duncan would look like with, in like current as a as a five that could stretch and shoot and do a bunch of different stuff now.
0: Yeah, I think there's obviously no doubt he would have become a pretty proficient three-point shooter um, in, in today's day if he had to. Yeah. There is, it, it's clear he was, he was really, really good. The only Spurs team that I enjoyed watching was the one that obliterated the Heat, and not because I wanted the Heat to be obliterated. I was cheering for that team, actually. But like, that was the first one. That, I would say that that series where they beat the Heat was the best I've ever seen a basketball team play, that or, or the Warriors at peak, uh, like they were just, they were so relentless and merciless, and like it just seemed so, it seemed like they were so good at what they did, uh, and they knew so much where they were going to go as opposed to where you were going to go, and every shot went in. I just, they seemed so good it was intimidating, and that was, that was the only Spurs team that I really, really liked watching. Um, uh, I think. Kevin I think. That. Wait. Before oh, we get I
1: think yeah. in in self-examining, and I'm not. This isn't something I'm I'm like proud of or bragging about or anything. The Sixers from 2005 to 2000 to the Biden trade in 2012 were so fucking boring and useless and had no upside whatsoever. I hated those t- Doug Collins teams. Mo Cheeks, God bless him. Jim O'Brien, you know, whoever the fuck was there. Chad... Chris Ford. Uh, Eddie Jordan, obviously. Early Liberty Ballers era. Like, that that team was so boring and bad and just had no hope that I think it, it didn't turn me off from the rest of the NBA, but I definitely watched less NBA than I would have if the Sixers were even remotely interesting. Or... Um, had a plan and weren't weren't just like randomly you know with a missile for that seven seed um yeah. and so i think that's that those that like 20 2007 to 2011 when I, basically all my all through college for me i was like way more into college basketball and so that's my that's like my like my glory days of college basketball and I would watch everything and know like legitimately every player and, and look up like every box score and so when I reference random college players are often from that era because that's just like all I watched and followed and stuff mm-hmm. and so I think yep. that I I missed more of the of like good NBA there than I should have um, just because of how much I hated the Sixers at that point
0: and uh, Kevin Garnett uh, like look so I have two separate feelings on Kevin Garnett my Sixers-related feeling is I fucking hate him. I I think more than any Celtic of that time. Really? Yeah. I just, you, I actually liked that team that got to the Eastern Conference Semis, and um, I felt like a real, like, that was, also, it was really when I started writing about the Sixers and talking, like, it was when I was the most in, I guess, um, in the last, decade. It was the beginning of when I started to be in. And it was fun to, you know, I would go to the the playoff watch parties. It would only be me and Chris, the electrician that put TTP on all of the light fixtures in uh, in the practice facility. We'd be the, it would be me and Val and him, the only ones that would show up to anything. So they sort of felt like they were my team. And I liked Drew and I liked Lou and I loved Andre obviously and Elton and all that kind of stuff. So um, so that that Kevin Garnett who Lavoy Allen did Fucking own a little bit <laughs> during that series. Um, that for, Kevin Garnett for like half I, a game. I, yeah, but it's still come on. <laughs> memories, you could things change as as time passes. Sure, but but I would say that Minnesota Kevin Garnett is probably to me one of the most underrated basketball players of all time. Yeah, he was a fucking menace. Yeah, like at his size. I I honestly don't know. You can look around the league and you can say Anthony Davis, but Kevin Garnett was definitely, like, more scary offensively than Anthony Davis was. Um, Played more like a guard almost, like Mm -hmm. had guard-type skills. And Kevin Garnett, I think, is probably, at least in terms of how how good he was at his peak, and eventually developed that, you know, 19, 20-footer that went in every single time without fail. Uh, and a fucking animal defensively. I just I think Garnett is one of the most underrated players of all time, and it does show situationally. If he had wound up in a situation like Tim Duncan, is Kevin Garnett Tim Duncan? And, and is you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I I don't know that that's not possible. In fact, like playing with Stephon Marbury in Minnesota, you know, I I love Kevin Garnett pre-Celtics, or just the idea of Kevin Garnett. I love and think he's. Basically, historically underrated.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I love that, that that I wouldn't say that Wolves team, but I love the Wolves because of Garnett. My when I back when I had a uh, a Yahoo email when I was like I don't know in middle school or high school or whatever. The, my background was the Timberwolves because I liked <laughs> Cameron Garnett. Um, he was a man. Like I think I think Anthony Davis is an apt comparison, but like Anthony Davis with Draymond Green's ferocity, and right. that and he became more when he went to Boston and, and played with two, you know, historically excellent offensive players in, in, in Pierce and Allen. Um, I think he sort of morphed himself into a, a, just a, an excellent role player, sort of like Draymond, sort of like Chris Bosch in that, in that sense. Um, but he was so good at, at just so many things. Um, and I think the, I think it's, guys like that he's in that you know he's not Iverson or Kobe in terms of like cultural significance probably because he played in Minnesota for most most of his prime and then was part of a triumvirate in in Boston Mm -hmm. but he's he he has like that legend status to him to him that like you know anytime anyone was a teammate of Kevin Garnett like whoever's interviewing them has to ask like what was it like to play with Kevin Garnett and I think that there's a fun there's a there's fun there. And the, like the Kevin Garnett be, beating up Wally Zerbiak story, that's always great. There's, he's, I mean, guy's an icon. Um, and just like- He uh, came out of high school, yeah. by the way.
0: Like, yeah. you know, uh, at I think he was 17 when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah. I mean, awesome. Really awesome. Yeah, um, guy rocks. Yeah, w- would have loved, would love to you know, I, that's actually, I, I haven't, I've mentioned, I, I don't, I don't go back and watch old basketball games, but watching old Kevin Garnett might be fun to do.
1: There was a, uh, I'll give a plug to, uh, Mike Prada at Espionation wrote an article of the top 30 NBA on NBC um, openings, like the sort of poetic, Zoom actually does this, um, not, I guess not all the time, but a lot of the time still, um, where he'll do like an intro to the game and then they'll start the broadcast. Um yeah. and it's always like poetic and nice. And so, you know, Marv, Marv Albert and Bob Costas and Greg Gumbel um is really is a, it was a good I so saw there's a bunch of like, you know, mostly Jordan some Barkley and stuff and there's there's a little a little Garnett in there also and some like good good Sonics teams and Rockets teams and stuff. Um and so if you want to go trip down memory lane uh through that, I would recommend it on ESPN. Um all
0: right. Uh Hmm. So three things we have left. We have, I want to do the Elite Eight for Field of 64 Jigsaws, mm-hmm. and then we'll do the final four on Wednesday. Um, I think maybe we can wait for the Sixers-Adam thing. when. He, so he did the good moves by Elton Brand and Jerry Colangelo, and, or Brian Colangelo, and then, well, what's the difference? And then... Uh, this week he's going to do the bad ones. I think maybe we do all of them at once. I think maybe that's so. Maybe we do feel the sixty-four jigsaw elite eight, and then go to the mailbag. That's my that's my proposition. Are you there? Yeah, you I hope that,
1: that okay. Brian Colangelo starts a web series from his quarantine. Oh, that would and be we can great. just see what it's like.
0: Yeah, maybe a live Instagram, or we can <laughs> chat with him. Maybe a Zoom.
1: I can I cannot believe that we are now what when was it
0: 100 years
1: 100 years it, was it is it two years since yeah only two years oh my god it feels like way longer but it's been about yeah it's april now because it was april of april or may of uh of 2018 we're, we're two years removed from bernergate and still not a not a peep from brian colangelo i really thought something would have happened by now but i also thought it was way more than two years so maybe i'm How can we keep track of anything at this point?
0: The Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast is proudly brought to you by The Colony Meadery, not only the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process, but the official booze that Mike sends his sister in time of need of the process. Very true. Yeah. Um, Look, you don't have to worry about driving because you're not going anywhere. Um, You don't really want to leave the house. What better than to load up on booze and drink it all day long, right? I mean. Your boss isn't going to know if you're drinking while you're working from home. Well, never know. Never know. And if you're not working, you have even less to worry about in that respect. I guess more to worry about in other respects. In any case, you can get the colony. You can get the colony meadery to deliver to you um, all sorts of awesome flavors. The newest one that we put together with the Brandywine SPCA and Providence Animal Center rescue mead still available with eight longtime shelter uh, residents on the cans. Dogs and seven dogs and one cat. So rescue meat available, and they'll deliver to 35 of the 50 states, including Pennsylvania. So go to colonymeatery.com. Use code Ricky for five dollars off. Colonymeatery.com. Use code Ricky for five bucks off. Of course, I drank one meat an hour until the final hour of Zoomathon, and I was not okay by the final hour. I would say. Did it? No. They. It, most of the session meads, which I was drinking, they're the ones in the cans, the carbonated ones, are like six, six and a half percent alcohol. And for somebody who hadn't had lunch, it was kind of strong. I also had the the, uh, the now banned uh, Joel M. Mead during that time. But all kinds of different flavors. It's awesome. Um, and like I said, you can either have the session meads, which are in the can, or the classic meads, which are in bottles and are much higher alcohol, like 10, 13, 15 percent. Um, just go look at all the flavors. Go to ColonyMeatery.com. That's ColonyMeatery.com. And they do have it available in Wegmans in Eastern PA. So if you are doing your uh, rare grocery shopping, you can take a look for that. Uh, Use code RICKY for $5 off at ColonyMeatery.com. Must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. Back to the RICKY. I thought he would have had like a
1: (laughs) Player's Tribune or a Woj or something like that by now.
0: I was just thinking, I was thinking about our, our Zoom cast and thinking about Brian Colangelo doing, and obviously, Mike is anti-racism. But if there was any chat that you would disrupt with um, <laughs> with racist...
1: Sure. <laughs> You're saying that you think it was him.
0: No. Oh, that's even funnier. I was saying that you could do it to him sure. to ruin his chat. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, oh my God, <laughs> what if... <laughs> that's, that's how petty he is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That'd be tough. That'd be tough. That'd be tough to right. stomach. As a guy who's defended yeah. him nonstop for years.
0: Yeah. That would hurt. All right. The, uh, all right, Jigsaw Bracket, we'll do the Elite Eight now, and then we'll do the Final Four on Wednesday. The Elite Eight, this is uh, for the once-in-your-life bracket. Wow. Uh, the matchup is, you have to name your first kid after my dad. Or, oh my God, what a, or it turns out I'm your dad.
1: Oh no, this is the Eskin bracket it's turned into.
0: It really has. I wonder if uh, Jeff uh, and his wife, who I think is involved in this as well, Jeff Davila uh, knew that it would come down to these two. All
1: right, so either it turns out you're my dad, or I have to right. name my kid Howard Eskin Levin.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct, and and by the way, if it turns out that I'm your dad, what it, the 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 uh, I guess the this the docu series about Glenn, uh, w- you know where he came in, like what, what went wrong, <laughs> what
2: went-
1: all the things that went wrong, <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: um, because I could live my life if you were, if you were my dad if I found out now. Mm-hmm. That you're my dad. My, I don't think my life would change in any real way. I would, I'd be like, oh, weird. I, it would basically, I'd found out that I was, you had. You and someone had given birth to me in, when you were young, and then my parents had adopted me. And I wouldn't, and, and then like you know, there's plenty of movies when you, you go see the adopted, you know, you. Oh, I want to find out my adopted parents. There's a bunch of them. Kids Are all right is one that com- comes to mind. Mark Ruffalo. Do
0: you, do you think uh, your own would have to rewrite? Absolutely. Yeah. It would be a new
1: issue, <laughs> reissue. But I know, I already found, I know everything about you. I don't need to like learn shit about you. I'd be like, all right, I guess fuck. Okay. I guess we'll just keep doing a podcast with my biological father. Um, whereas like <laughs> yeah. having my child named. Howard Eskin Levin, I would, I just wouldn't be able to take it until I, I pick, I pick you being my dad.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you naming your first child, Howard Eskin Levin, and by the way, what if it's a daughter? Um, boy, that's yeah. All right. So the next one is for, wait, which bracket is this? This is the for one year bracket. Um, so for one year every day you have to smell what it's like to smell John Goodman's taint at the end of the day Mm -hmm. you smell it all day every day for one year Mm -hmm. again this is the the unchosen scenario in the first ever jigsaw or you fully clog the toilet every time you go for a year yes (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine how intolerable a person you would
1: be, yeah, be tough.
0: if you clogged the toilet?
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to think about it in terms of time. Um, how much time would it take? So, like, smelling John Goodman's taint, how much, how long do I have to be under there for?
0: Well, I don't think it's the act of smelling the taint. You smell it all day, every day. So you're always smelling it. Um, That's Yeah. So, the smell is always in your nose. That's mostly what's happening. Okay.
1: So, I, but I don't have to like
0: at- bury your nose in John Goodman's taint. That's right. No.
1: No. Okay. I think I pick, I think I pick Goodman's taint then. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd, so I'll funny. walk around for a year smelling a bad smell and yep. then it'll be gone. But I don't have to like tell anybody about, like, I am, that's just on me, that's a, that is a burden I can carry. Whereas yep. clogging the toilet every single time I go would yep. be on other people, it'd be, a, it'd be an absolute thing. So I, I think I have to go, I, I smell Goodman's taint.
0: Okay, so half of the final four is set. Wow. Now we go to the for 10 years bracket. For 10 years, every joke you hear is genuinely mm. the funniest thing you've ever heard, mm. or you hear the thoughts of every loved one.
1: Oh wow. <sighs> wow, that's a this is the this is the Western Conference Finals right here.
0: Yep. It's the Lakers Clippers. Um I think that
1: I am generally, you know, these are these are bad options. We're not happy about any of these options. But at this point I think between the two of them, I'm pretty perceptive as it is. And so I'm sure everybody thinks that, but I am right. And I think I generally know what people's thoughts are enough. And I have enough, you know, neuroses that I'm imagining what they're saying or thinking about me anyway. So I don't think that would be at this point that different if Every single joke that I heard, I had to act like it was the funniest thing I ever heard. Ruin my life. My life yeah, would be ruined. I
0: mean, it would be pretty tough for you. It would certainly ruin your career. It'd be over. Yeah. So? So you're, you're hearing the thoughts of every loved one. I'm
1: hearing the thoughts of every loved one, and funniest joke of my life moves
0: on. So can I, I tell you the, the unintended consequences of taking you hear the thoughts of every loved one? You also realize if someone doesn't actually love you, if you don't hear their thoughts. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um, All right, and the final bracket for the rest of your life, you either lose 10 inches off your height Mm. or you have to wear the same pair of underwear every day. You cannot wash it or remove it. So you never take the underwear. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, it's tough. Well, okay.
1: I may as well be 51 in quarantine. But I also may as well be wearing the same pair of underwear. Underwear. So yep. right now those are all could be anything. Uh, give me the underwear. Give wow. me one pair of yeah, good yeah. underwear. Can I pick the underwear?
0: Sure.
1: I will get a good pair of underwear.
0: Oh man, the holes that are gonna end up sure. In that yeah, no, it's
1: not great. Yeah. I will. I, yeah. you know, there's those, there's Sting. there's those there's a mu, uh like a mug or like a travel cup that has like a light at the top of it on the inside that um, supposedly is like self cleaning. And I wonder if there is something similar with hmm. underwear that is almost like hmm. some sort of like. Fragrance or something is emitted that is a, a self-cleaning style thing. I don't think it'd be perfect, but I wonder if it's better than just one, one random one. I, I need those ten inches. I need to. I you gotta have joy.
0: You'd be doing a lot of uh, a lot of googling to find these self-cleaning <laughs> underwear. Before. All right, so the final four is set. We will do this on Wednesday. The final four being, you have to name your first child after my father. Mm. You um. You fully clog the toilet every time you go for a, year. for a year. For 10 years, every joke you hear is the funniest thing you've ever heard. Yeah. And you lose 10 inches off of your height. Okay. All right. I would like
1: some advice if anyone wants to tweet some things at yeah. me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll do a lot of promotion, I think, for the final four <laughs> jigsaw. Maybe, I sort of wonder if maybe we should do that part live and maybe hop on Zoom one more time.
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Is, is, the, is the juice worth the, worth the squeeze as far as
0: giving the races giving the race chance.
1: another chance?
0: <laughs> all right. So the mailbag, the 50% mailbag, remember all of your mailbag questions um, have to be 50% basketball and 50% non-basketball. You can either do that with one question, that is 50% basketball, or ask two questions. Uh, writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Tom, the basketball question If the season ended at this point, do you feel it's better or worse for the future outlook of the team, and how do you think it changes their off-season plans? Let you go first.
1: Um, There was a good Mike O'Connor article about it Mm -hmm. uh, on the Athletic. Um,
0: I don't did not read it. What did he say?
1: He we talks about Brett and Brett's job security. Yeah, um,
0: I think he would still be fired. That would be my. Yeah,
1: and definition. I think that you can look at Brett. I think we talked about this before, but Mike also made the point that uh, this team obviously has problems, and a lot mm-hmm. of them aren't Brett's fault. But there's no area you can look at and go that well. That's because of Brett this year right. with this team. There's this no it's like, hey, we're th- good we're point. good at this, this thing because of because of. Choices Brett's made or whatever it is, um, I still would love to give him the chance that's this play this team in the playoffs, but um, I think it's certainly been a disappointing year for Brett. And I think you can look at like how good Shake has been and be like, it took too long to get to get to this, and his hand was like forced with Shake, and it was like if you had if this was on your roster, this is in practice, you got to you got to bring that out earlier, especially because this is the exact skill set that we've needed. Um, among other things, I don't think Brett's been awful, but I don't, he certainly hasn't been excellent this season. Um, and then the thing that I'd be interested in is, is, is the Horford of it all. Um, he goes down a couple of trade options for Horford. Uh, the, the obvious answer is attaching, uh, a, a, an asset or two, whether it's Matisse or shake or picks, um, and getting out from under it the the version that seems more interesting to me is uh trading horford for a like a bloated expensive garter wing um mm-hmm. which Mike listed as like a Mike Conley or a uh an Eric Gordon um, it's interesting like Horford hasn't been great like we've gone our opinion of how this is gonna work has gone down but you look at like the, how little togetherness and consistency this team has had for so long, and I wonder if it's just like, yeah, if 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 Houston's willing to give you Eric Gordon for Al Horford, I think you just go with it because I think Eric Gordon is good oh, and yes. would make and would make a huge yeah. difference on this team, and and Horford can be their small ball five and stretch the floor in a nice way over there. If that's if that's a trade that's being willing to make, I think everybody would make that trade. But if it's hey trade Matisse and a pick and whatever, especially because the salary cap's going to change if, if revenue changes. Um, I, I wouldn't trade Horford just to trade Horford. I wouldn't do the Trevor Booker trade equivalent of Al Horford because this team has had such a lack of togetherness for so long um, because of how, many, how, how much constant change there is. And I think that that's good for the most part. I think you want you want to diagnose, hey, we're not good enough, let's go get these guys. Hey, we're, this isn't working, let's go get these guys. Um, but at a certain point, you want a feeling of like, these guys are getting better at playing together and playing with each other. Um, and I think Horford and Embiid and Simmons are all smart enough to eventually make it work in some way. I don't think Horford beat is the perfect pairing by any means I don't think you want those guys playing on the court at the same time a lot but I think you pick your spots you find a better way to do it and over, over the course of like another season then it works better than it did last season this season and so I, I don't see a trade Horford at all costs thing especially if it's going to cost some of the young guys that we like and need and think can be can grow into something um, so that that's 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 where I land on it. I I, I for years, the Sixers team was just like, sit on their hands, don't do anything. And I like that Hinky and, and now Elton, and I would add Brett to that mix, has been willing to make those decisive, um, make it sooner rather than later moves. Um, but I, I also think that there's a version where they go too far down that road, and it, it'd be nice to see, like, Ken can can with better ball handling and guard play around them can they make it work also Horford as an Embiid backup when Embiid is clearly going to miss it, a- about 20 games a season for the rest of his career then you know it's worth doing still for me
0: the Race to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you for a long time for the longest time by L.L. Pavorsky and L.L. Pavorsky drillers Known as a, um, a jeweler for more than 30 years in Philadelphia at the same place, but known even more for having a wall of rights to Ricky Sanchez T-shirts somewhere set up in his home. You know, people are talking about all their Zoom backgrounds. Who has a better Zoom background than L.L. Pavorsky does? Nobody. Nobody. So he's not at his store, 707 Walnut. When, uh, when things get back to normal, he will be at his store. But you can still reach out to him. You can still... Purchase uh, jewelry at llpavorsky.com, or if there is a um, an engagement ring you want to talk about, just reach out to LL. You can do an appointment over Facetime, you can uh, do an appointment over Zoom. You could do an appointment. You can just talk over email. You can text. You can call. Whatever he can help you out. So if you had plans to do that, you know, in the coming months, you can you can still do that. He has sold engagement rings to 172 rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners, which is amazing. I That's want. Yeah, I want the first quarantined purchase and engagement. I mean, can we do something special if somebody does that? I wonder. I would I, love.
1: A, I'd love to hear a, about it.
0: Yeah, I would love to hear about it. I'd love to see the video. We'll put the video on our website if you do it. If you get if you get the ring from Lee, um, we'll do pretty much whatever you want. <laughs> I'll come to the wedding. You want me at the wedding? I'll will come to the wedding. Um, anything you want. If you are, if you are. If you get a ring from LL or already have one and get engaged while quarantined, don't fucking lie. Don't make it up. Don't already be engaged and do it just to get a little, you know, press on sanchez.com But I'll definitely do it. And I know LL really wants that to happen. Um, a lovely guy who donated... Th- what four items to the Zoomathon that all sold that ended up raising over three thousand dollars? Wow! Um, the TTP ring, yeah, the earrings, couple of watches. Great dude. Um, llpavorsky.com um, is where you can email him. Um, you can just get him on Twitter too uh, at llpavorsky. And continuing to support our charities, coded by kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers.
1: How many of his regular customers would leave him if they knew how many Ricky shirts he owned? <laughs>
0: At least 75%. Uh, Back to the pod. So I think it can only have a negative effect exactly for the reasons that that you've listed, the attitude. I think they needed to lose in the playoffs for some reality to shake up um, what needs to be done, both with personnel on the team and personnel in the front office. And I think there's, I don't think it's a a non-zero chance that those things happen if the season just ends, but I think there's a less, um, I think we can only gain more by the season going on, obviously, because either, and mostly I think it's because the season would have ended like in the second round or something, and everyone would have been embarrassed by it. And I, I just think, Maybe there would be a chance at some real meaningful change and I just think that there's less of a chance of that now so I think what probably happens now with all of this happening is they fire Brett and they try to trade Horford Um, which is like is not nothing but is like a on some level is not quite moving around the deck chairs on the Titanic but it's like it's it's, you know uh, treating a an ax in your head with, uh, with Tylenol. You know, it's like, it might make it hurt a little bit less, but you still have an ax in your head, and that's, that's the, the problem that I see. So I think it, it probably makes their off-season plants less extreme, if I had to guess. Um, and his non-basketball question, what is the first thing you want to do after the quarantine ends? So let's say, because this is sort of a, a vague question, let's say that back to normal. Like if, if you could do one back to normal activity, what would it be?
1: Uh play basketball.
0: Really?
2: Yeah,
1: I bought a uh a mini basketball uh and, and mini basketball net and hung it in my living room. So the odds of me breaking something are very high. Um and so just even taking like mini basketball shots was such like a nice feeling for me and, and just like a <laughs> I don't know. It made me feel very happy in a, in a very boyish way. Um, yeah, I would, I would, if, if there's a way to, if the quarantine is like, Hey, touch whoever you want, then I could just like play basketball again. I would, I would play basketball. Although the idea of just like sitting in a restaurant feels very nice too.
0: So it's funny you say that. I, so I'm not like, I don't enjoy crowds anyway. Um, I go to a lot of sporting events for my job, and I hate the fact that there's so many people there. Um, same with concerts. I love live music, don't like being around lots of people. The thing that I genuinely miss is going to a restaurant. Um, I I would just like to go to dinner with my wife or or some friends somewhere and not have to wor- like. That's what I want back. Now, honestly, if I could get normal businesses back and um, well, I do want musicians to be able to make money. I want everyone to make money. If I could never have to go to a crowded thing again, that would be great but uh I would just the the simple the simple thing of going to a restaurant would be really nice yeah
1: it's uh, it's really weird i mean there's no one knows when this thing's gonna and we're I'm still in a writer's room and we're talking about like you know scenes and casting and actors and stuff uh and It's like, when is this going to the idea of like shooting these scenes? feels like crazy to me of like knowing when how are we going to get these guys and and the people that we've cast for the show are from not from America. So they have to like fly over. And it's like, when's that going to happen? Like it just seems seems all very up in the air and all like make believe right now.
0: Yeah, I think we have to, it will be over at one point, or it will, like, it, it won't just go back to normal, like we said, it'll happen slowly, but I think we all have to continue to, for our psyche and for um, the future, I think we all have to continue as if that's a reality um, at some point, because it's all it's all changed very quickly and every day, so who knows what tomorrow brings. Yeah,
1: and there's so, just been so much, like, ready for. you know, suddenly the CDC is like, you should wear a mask when you're outside. And it's like, they were talking about, they were debating that for like weeks as people were, you know, yeah. going outside and stuff. And it, it all feels very normal to me when I'm in my apartment and we're like hanging out watching a show or I'm doing work is mostly re, mostly normal now. But like, as soon as we go outside to like go pick something up or someone knocks on the door with like a delivery, it's like high alert again. And it's so weird. It's hard yeah. to imagine anything ever, like just regular seeing someone and like, not, <laughs> being scared, Not being scared phobia, scared being of being them virus. yeah It's very yeah. It's, it's very odd
0: this comes from Patrick longtime listener first-time writer in the show Love the Pod and even have my two-year-old singing along to we were right y'all in the car every time I listen to a new episode he's a little too young to teach him Tony T's song but maybe one day uh, actually in the middle of his email here uh, here's a message from Doris Vallone. oh here you know what I'll play it and then I'll just replace it uh, Speaking of Tony T, a message from Doris Vallone and Vallones uh, Deli.
2: Hello, this is Doris Vallones. We at Vallones just want to extend our love during this very difficult time. Now, more than ever, you need cheesesteaks and hookies and hookie sandwiches. What we can do for you is we can deliver them right to your door, drop drop them off at your step, leave them on your stoop, put them in your mailbox. We even leave it in your car if you need to. We love you. Also, we want you to know that all our sandwiches are, what's this word? Quarantine, Mom. What is quarantine? Quarantine, quarantine certified for your health. Come on down. Actually, no, you can't come on down. Stay at home. We'll come on down to you. Love yous from Doris. And the boys here at Valones trying to stay open in the city this time.
0: There we go. So the hoagie sandwiches at Valones are quarantine certified. Um, it's so stupid. <laughs> a a very successful singer songwriter artist. Um, Just Okay, back to the email from Patrick. It seems less and less likely we'll have any meaningful basketball play this year. Even an abbreviated season and playoff at this point would just diminish if and whoever were to be crowned NBA champs. Most likely outcome is the season is over. In order to save face, I'm almost certain ownership is going to make a head coaching change. I've seen the usual retread names thrown around. But honestly, with the exception of Jay Wright, what coach would really get fans excited again? Jason Kidd, Kenny Atkinson, Stan Van Gundy all do nothing for me. What are your thoughts on Kevin Ollie? Hmm. He had a ton of, I, it was, I, same response when I read it. Um, he had a ton of quick success at UConn, familiar with Philadelphia, and I think would bring in much needed new energy to the organization. I know he's involved with a lawsuit about his firing, which complicates things, but I'm sure Josh Harris and company have enough money to make that go away <laughs> and bring him here if they really wanted to. I know it's off the beaten path, but just trying to come up with some out of the box ideas I haven't discussed a hundred times, um, and then we'll get to the non-basketball question. And I would also like to point out, and I think we talked about this at one point, Kevin Durant, like, a long time ago, credited Kevin Ollie with being, like, a really important player, like, veteran guy that they had that he learned from at one point, and that was before he became UConn coach. I would love somebody like Kevin Ollie for two reasons. First of all, has not done it yet and obviously has some sort of potential. And the second is, while I think Jeff Van Gundy is actually a, a really good coach, he's going to want personnel um, control, and I don't want any coach who wants to be head of player personnel. So I think Kevin Ollie is a—it's a, a good name. I had never thought of it. What, what do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, I haven't. The he got fired from UConn, and then just like hasn't been around at all. Um, apparently, yeah. he's been in this arbitration thing. Um, per Wikipedia, if. It, if his if another school wants to hire him before twenty twenty two they have to like meet with the n c a board to like justify because he had some infractions or something um doesn't say what they were necessarily um it was like pickup games that should have been you know some it seems like bullshit n c a booster uh, timing stuff i don't, i don't really understand um but i'm intrigued by it. You know, had yeah. had two stints in Philly. Um seen, he did he did have a lot of success quickly at UConn and then and then fell off. But uh I'd certainly bring him in. I like I, I like the I like the uh the new the fresh name.
0: Yeah. I can't believe no one's brought it up. I can't believe I don't hear the name at all, you know, um, ever. So and his, uh, his non-basketball question. Besides colony mead, what is your drink of choice during these isolated times? I noticed my alcohol consumption going up like most people, and I'm looking for a good beer or cocktail recommendation. What is? Do you have a non-colony mead recommendation?
1: Um, we picked up from a, a place nearby us that we love um, that was giving out margaritas uh, in, like, quartz. Mm and so we had some margaritas yesterday and because we've been eating so much at home i haven't really had that much sugar and i think all yep. the sugar in the margarita like really messed me up and so i like went to bed last night at, at like 9:30 and woke up at 3:30 which is more i was
0: wondering why you you texted me at 6:30 yeah your much time. more of a you spike timeline
1: text- than I, yeah. than than a mic timeline but i was so yeah. really my my body was pure until those but uh yeah, a little, we've gotten, we've done some wine pickup, I'm sort of dabbling, I, I honestly, it's legal here, I obviously way prefer like a nice little edible uh, than, than getting like drunk in one place, you know what I mean? Just like sitting around yeah. and getting drunk has not agreed with me body wise, whereas uh, a nice easy edible has been delightful.
0: Now, your point about sugar was also what happened to me during my Colony Mead um, explosion during the Zoomathon. It just, there's a little bit of sugar in there. It does, it does hit you hard. Yeah. Um, my, my thing with, so uh, I, I, I feel like we shouldn't go too deep into the marijuana discussion. My, so I had never, I had only had marijuana one time until the last year and a half, and that was on my honeymoon to prove to my wife that I was really letting loose. We went, have I ever told this story? This is a funny story. Letting loose. So, so we're in Aruba. Well, I had to prove to her, like, I wasn't working, and I was just going to, like, relax. <laughs> so the first way I prove it to her is just by wearing tank tops every day, which is really not what she was looking for. But, but it was a way for me to do it. But I'm, uh, she's in the shower, and I'm on the bed, and I'm, like, googling like, what are the laws for marijuana in Aruba? And apparently it's illegal, but, like, they don't, they don't, like, police it at all. And I Google, like, how do you buy a marijuana in Aruba? And I find this one guy on a message board that you just email him, and you tell him where you are, and he just shows up at your hotel and gives it to you, and uh, you pay him through the window. So my wife comes out of the shower, and I'm like, I just ordered pot on the Internet. And she's like, What? <laughs> And mind you, this is like five years ago. This is a long time before you know, MedMen in Los Angeles and before that actually happened. Um, and she's like, what? And I was like, I just wanted to prove to you I'm having a good time. And I ordered marijuana on the Internet. So we, uh, so the guy brings it, and, um, and we, it was a whole experience rolling it up. And I didn't feel much, which I guess was, is apparently what happens a lot of times your first time. But I thought I didn't feel much until I was looking at pictures of us doing it. And I started dying. And I went over to her and she was like, why are you laughing so hard? And I'm like, hey, there was a fucking ghost turtle right here on the table the whole time we were doing this and we never saw the ghost turtle. And the ghost turtle was a white plastic bag that in the picture somehow looked like a fucking turtle. (laughs) And for... At least three minutes, I thought it was the ghost of a turtle. Wow. And it was at th- that moment that I realized the marijuana had worked. There you go. Um, my trouble with marijuana is that I cannot concentrate on anything. Like so, whereas I can have a glass of uh, whiskey or something while I'm talking to you, if there was marijuana, I, can, I, I lose concentration and I can't, I can't figure out what I'm thinking about. So um, what I would tell, so I got, there is a local distillery in Philadelphia called Manitani who uh, is a whiskey and rum uh, distillery, and you can order it online and they have a, you just pick it up at their store, like in a window and they leave it there for you. And um, I got some there. So I would say if you're able to, there are plenty of local breweries and local distilleries wherever you go, if you, uh, if you can support a local uh, business. And especially in PA where the PA Wine and Spirits are shut down. Um, you can still get wine at a lot of places. You can still get whiskey at a lot of places. So do that. Um, hmm. No, that's no fun. Unless you want to do that one.
1: I like this. Uh, mm. This which one? Here. Uh I think okay. it was, I don't know who the name is from. Before or after? So. Okay. Uh, this is from either AJ or Jason. If you could pick one role player from history to drop in as the fifth starter on this team, who would it
0: be? <sighs> well, I mean, I, it's the first one that pops into my head, but it's, I mean, like, a, this team needs, like, Manu Ginobili or Lou Williams.
1: Mm. I was going to say Chauncey Billups.
0: Ooh. I think Manu
1: is probably too good to be considered a role player. Chauncey, so Chauncey Sh- might Billups. be, yeah. Yeah. Prime George Hill. Saying that all the time. Um role player. Role player. I mean like every, everyone could use a Shane Badier always. Yeah. Um but I think that this team just could use an an extra little
0: I mean they could use a ball handler off the the ball handler and scorer off the bench. It, it's fucking Lou Williams. I mean is there
1: yeah, it'd be awesome. On we'd it. love somebody else that could that could defend a little bit more. Um
0: Prime Iggy, prime post-prime Iggy.
1: Could use a little shooting though. A little more.
0: Well, I mean, he hit wide open threes. Sure. Yeah. Great ball handler, underrated passer, good ball handler, underrated underrated passer. Mm-hmm. Finals MVP.
1: No, I love Andre.
0: So AJ, originally, his, uh, his second non-basketball question like was a basketball question, so I just responded to him. I was like, that's a basketball question. So his non-basketball question, what is the best pizza topping combination? I have a distinct answer to this. I don't know if you do. My answer is typically like all of it.
1: Just like put all of it on there and I'll eat it. More okay. is better. And it depends on the mood, I think across the board I like a uh, I'd say I like a like a like ground sausage on top is a good one and when I could eat cheese I like a like some like you know plops of ricotta or whatever that's called
0: I want to give a shout out to two specific places first of all 20th Street pizza in Philadelphia which is a uh, vegan pizza place but you would you would seriously have no idea is fucking amazing and uh dia which makes frozen pizzas yeah. uh, that are vegan we'd, which we'd are awesome. we do those as well uh but i would say that vegan or non-vegan my i believe the best um, combination is pepperoni and mushroom i just and i believe though i prefer the taste of canned mushroom to fresh mushroom I do believe fresh mushroom on, pe- on pizza is better because it dries out a little bit and doesn't stay all wet like canned mushroom does. So I believe the perfect combination is pepperoni and mushroom. Yeah, and there's no wrong answer AJ for me. On,
1: Everything, put no, it on there.
0: Pizza's great. Uh, and AJ goes on to say, avocado is the most overrated food in the world. Everyone claims to love it, but avocados are a tasteless excuse uh, for people to eat chips. No one actually likes avocado. I actually fucking wholeheartedly disagree. I eat avocado every day. Your thoughts?
1: Um, on I like avocado. I really like guacamole, and I could also probably agree that it's that it's a very overrated food.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Um, well, Mike, Wednesday we have a huge thing coming up on the Ricky. It is that the final four of the Jigsaw uh, Field of 64 is coming This is
1: up. why people tune in. To, yep. to see greatness it's, like this. Maybe, we, maybe yep. we edit like somebody that's like a uh, one shining moment audio style thing of just me making choices.
0: You know what we could do? Instead of doing the Zoom uh, uh, seminar, which we had, if we just did a room so we could see everybody's. I, I want to see everyone's facial reaction when you make your choices. I don't know. I'm going to see if I can work this I out. I
1: don't know. Yeah. To changing the format, it's it's unfair to the teams that have competed this far along.
0: Well, look if if professional teams are going are thinking about playing without fans, maybe we have to do the change of thinking that we have to play with Jesus. them. So. <laughs> all right, so we'll talk to you uh, Wednesday night. Stay inside, stay safe, wear a mask when you go outside. Those are the new rules. Um, and that's all I got. Are you done with TTP?
1: Oh yeah, you know, look face. Maddie.
2: So say the name, say the name, we will write y'all, we will right. even when it went wrong, we will right. we will write y'all, we will right, we right. so say the name, say the name.